I hope all of y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We were part of that crowd that had the colds too, so uh, we're on the top side of it, but if I'm not completely coherent today, that's my excuse this morning. <laughs> Psalm 106. I want to share a couple of thoughts with y'all that have been on my mind related to the theme of praise. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. If you've ever got any questions about why you should praise the Lord, it's a good reminder to just remember the reason is is because he is good. He's just always good to us. He's always kind. His loving kindness will never fail. His mercy, and boy, don't we need that, is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And that's really the whole message of the gospel is God's faithfulness to us. Mm -hmm. God's love to us, not how much we loved him, not how good we've been. But when we really get a hold of just how awesome God is and how good he is to us, we make statements like um, in our hearts. We may not be able to say it just like David did, but we say, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Well, nobody can fully. Well, those are questions that, you know, we just, when we just taste it a little bit, we just say, man, ain't God awesome? I mean, who can really describe just how awesome God is? And you might say that sometimes when you're looking over a beautiful sunrise, or you just got off the phone with somebody and you heard some uh, amazing news of something that's happened. And, and those are moments when we're able to say, Man, God is so good. I mean, who could ever really begin to describe his greatness? You know, the sad reality, though, is, is if you were to take time to read this whole psalm, and it shows about how awesome God was to the Israelites, that uh, the fact of the matter is, oftentimes they did not praise him. Oftentimes they saw his wondrous works, and then they forgot about them. And um, they, for example, in Psalm in uh, this 21, when they had just been delivered, then they made the calf, the golden calf. Verse 21 is, they forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. And then in verse 24, yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but did what we do a lot, which is they murmured in their tents and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. So there is a, uh, a great need for us to be reminded to praise the Lord. Because we're all one step away from two steps back of forgetting the Lord, of not doing the things that we should do. There's a, uh, a song here that's been on my mind that I've been listening to and finding myself singing in the mornings. Psalm 181, uh, song 181 in our book. And the verse that particularly is verse 3. And this is a rendition of Psalm 23. Goodness and mercy follow me. Their joys I cannot tell. Well, that's when we are walking with the Lord and we're feeling his presence. There's times when we say, boy, their joys, I just can't tell how much they are. They comfort me and give me hope that in his house I'll dwell. Now, this is the part that really just sticks out to me. I want to praise him while I live. Each one of God's children in their heart of hearts has that desire. And, and we find ourselves saying, I want to praise him while I live because he has loved me so. The sad reality is we don't. We don't praise him like we ought. We don't praise him 
like we should while we live. But that's the desire of the heart, and we should try to uh, emulate that as much as his world. But I, I just love this thought, though. And rising to that glory world, a perfect praise, I don't know. That comforts me. Because I know that while I'm in this mortal flesh, I'm going to struggle just like the Israelites did. I'm going to struggle. There's going to be many, many times where I continue to fail. I just don't praise the Lord. I wake up. I don't think nothing about it. I'm just hard-hearted. I'm numb. I'm cold. And, and I just, you know, sometimes we just get in a spiritual funk. And, and, and we try to praise the Lord, but it's just sort of going through the motions. But I, I just want to reassure you that, number one, one day you are going to rise. You're going to rise up above and beyond this world. So Paul tells us that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I wonder if that, does that comfort your heart ever? It comforts mine because it's not just that we're rising through the air as robots. There's gonna be there's gonna be a perfect praise. All that stuff that hinders us from really praising the Lord. And a lot of times we quench the spirit, don't we? There ain't gonna be no quenching the spirit when we're I mean it's just we're gonna be rising through the air and all the filth, all the junk. I can just see it just just like you know when the rocket ships go up and they shed off and then they shed off again. That's just the way I see us shedding off that old, wicked, carnal man. And we're going to be rising through the air, and, and it's really unfathomable unfathomable to really understand what it might be like to worship God without any sin. But it's going to be a reality, and I think uh, in our minds, it's just it's going to be like fireworks going off to realize what we've been missing because of sin holding us back from really praising the Lord. I want to leave y'all with just one other reminder, and that is that there is such a thing as just heavenly praise. And, and this is what we're going to know in Revelation chapter 19. And just imagine these being the people that have already been stripped off of all of the evil flesh that holds them back from praising the Lord. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servant at her hand. And again, they said, the great voice of much people said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, 
as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Here's a message for us. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. You know, we can't fully praise the Lord like we want to. We can't really give this heavenly praise in our hearts the exact same way we will be able to when we will know the perfect praise. But we can still praise the Lord today with as much heart and as much soul and as much gladness, as much rejoicing as we are capable of. And the only way we're ever going to really do that is, one, by, by doing it in the Spirit and by praying for it by walking close to the Lord and just making an effort to praise Him. And part of that effort is remembering what He's done for us, remembering all the good things, remembering His mighty works, just like there in Psalm 106, and reflecting back on just how much God has done for us. So I hope you will be encouraged today uh, just to remember uh, that there is coming a day when we will all know a perfect praise. And uh, God bless you. God bless you, brother. Really appreciate those thoughts. Glad you're willing to share them and express them in such a way. And um, the Lord's already fed me this morning, so I appreciate Appreciate him doing that. As y'all know, we've been trying to look at some foundational biblical truths. Um, just nine or ten weeks or so. Last week we talked about Jesus being both the Son of God and the Son of Man. Brother Jerry, can you hear me? Or do I need to speak louder? All right. Your hearing aids still sent off? Got one? Okay, good deal. He came up to me last week and said, I enjoyed being here, but I didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> I'll try and be louder. So this morning, I want to uh, give attendance to reading. Remember Paul gave that exhortation to Timothy to give attendance to, to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. So we've spent some time in doctrine. I've got some good exhortation this morning, and so I want to give some attendance to reading. Um it can be hard to sit in the pew and have the preacher read a whole lot. I'm going to ask that y'all work with me to stay alert and to try to visualize what we are going to be reading about. And this is going to be reading about the Word coming into the world, the Word being made flesh, the birth of Jesus. You can hear all sorts of snippets and summaries, but I don't think there's anything better than reading it to get the full account. Um, you'll find it's very different than what the world, you know, in the next month or so will kind of be talking about. Um, and I don't have any problem with folks celebrating Christmas. It's a good time to remember the birth of the Lord. Was he born on December 25th? No, probably not. Um, but is it a good time to remember him? Sure. One time in our society when you can freely talk about Jesus, nobody's going to look at you weird. Take advantage. Tell them the truth. So, I'm going to start in John chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses, and then we'll go to Luke. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. This beginning goes all the way back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Some translations will try and add in a little single letter to change the meaning there and say it was a God. The word wasn't a God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So we're talking about the second person in the Trinity, the word. <coughs> In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Couldn't understand it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, referring to John, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Referring to being born into the uh, nation of Israel, Jewish, um, and they did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those that believe were born again, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born again of God. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's going to be our focus this morning, is the Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. So if you turn with me, we're going to look at Luke. Luke chapter 1. The first four verses of this letter, Luke is a traveling buddy of Apostle Paul, also referred as the beloved physician. He's going to give his little intro about who he's writing um, this gospel too. It's a man named Theopolis. It says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, so others have, have written before, even as they delivered them unto us, which were from which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Who's he talking about there? Talking about the apostles of the day. Even as the apostles delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having perfect or complete understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So Theophilus had been taught about Jesus, and now uh, Luke is writing here so he can have further confirmation of exactly the play-by-play of what, what he's been taught, so he can have know with certainty. So our narration picks up in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both were both both were now well stricken in years. Alright, so we've got a lot of information that's given us here to, to set the scene. Alright? And this is going to be you know, at least a year before Jesus is born. Um, just kind of wrap your head around where we're starting in the timeline. A priest named Zacharias. The name Zacharias, Hebrew word is Zechariah. It's the Greek form. But it means God has remembered. Okay? God has remembered. His wife's name is Elizabeth. In Hebrew, it's uh, Elishaba. It means God of the oath. God has remembered. God of the oath. God's remembered his oath, his covenant with Abraham, his covenant with David. All the things that he's going to fulfill, he's remembered. Let's right. just free nugget for you. Elisha, but the only time that that Hebrew name appears in the Old Testament, that's Aaron's wife's name. It's the only time it appears. 
You've got Zacharias and Elizabeth. So in your mind's eye, you're imagining an older couple, right? She's, they're both so old, but they're not, they're not having children anymore, all right? And they were righteous. He's a priest. She's a daughter of Aaron. They're trying to serve the Lord, both righteous before, the God, before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. All right? So they're trying to serve the Lord. They have not been blessed with children. All right? He's of the course of Abiah. Remember, David would divide all the priests into a series of courses at the end of the day for groups. It would be 24 of them. And the Jewish calendar um, was governed by the moon. So you've got 12 um, months, and each of the month you divide it into the four weeks. And so you would have these 24 courses serving over the course of the year. Each course would serve about two weeks. All right. So when exactly the course of Abiah served? I don't know. It was eighth in line. I Googled it, and they said sometime around June, May, June. Take that with a grain of salt. Um, well, it's his turn to serve. All right? He's a priest. It's his turn to serve, and uh, his job is to burn incense. So it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went in into the temple of the Lord. Just a brief refresher. We won't spend a whole lot of time in the temple, but this is a temple that's been uh, rebuilt, known as Herod's temple. Outside, you had the big altar for burning the sacrifices, all right? Inside, you had the, the holy area, which you had the showbread, you had the candlestick, table with the candlestick, and then you had a little altar where you burned incense. And then you had the veil, and then inside was the most holy place where you had uh, the ark, um, or where the ark would have been if it hadn't been lost. Um, and that's where the priest would go once a year to offer blood of atonement, all right? So in your mind's eye, you've got this priest, Zacharias, who's going to be going into this room. It's probably dark. Only one one candle in there, right? Like the menorah, different number, but just for your visual. And he's going in by himself. This is not you know, something that requires a lot of people lifting a tote and heavy animals. He's just burning some incense, right? And while he's in there, the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. So a certain time of the day, he's going in there to burn incense. There are people who are outside praying. whole multitude. So you can visualize him in there. He's putting his incense on the table. And then suddenly, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. I suspect that would be mighty startling. Right? This is not some... Heathen dude, this is a priest, who he and his wife have been trying to serve the Lord all their life, right? And suddenly an angel appears unto him. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. All right? And the angel's going to speak to him. He says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. What have they been praying for? Most likely that the Lord would give them children. So he's telling them, Your wife shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John. All right. um, the Hebrew word for John is Jeconiah. It means God favored. Favored of God. Okay. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, or Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay. So he's given John, given him the instructions about what John is going to do and how he's going to be the precursor, the, the one to come before the light and witness and to prepare the people. All right. And how does Zechariah respond? Zechariah, this righteous man, 
Right? He said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. Whereby shall I know this? He's asking for a sign. And, Lord, I need you to do something to me so I can believe you. Y'all ever test the Lord like that? He's told him what's going to happen. You want a sign? I have a kid. That's been a sign. This, you know, often the Lord would give an immediate sign in the Old Testament when it was something that was going to be fulfilled way down beyond often your life or 100 years in the future. That, so you'll know that that's going to happen. I'll do something right now. But here, having a kid, that's, that's not too far in the distance. right? Where shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. So he's asking for something. He's asking for a sign. The Lord's going to grant his wish, and it's not going to be the way that he'd prefer. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel. And that literally means a valiant warrior of God. That stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show you these glad tidings. He's a sign in and of himself. This is not a word that's come from just a human prophet, but an angel sent from God has come into the place where no one but priests, no human priest had the right to go. No one human but a priest had the right to go. And here he has appeared unto you out of nowhere. And you're asking for another sign. So I come from the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and show you these glad tidings. This is good news. Bubba? Okay. All right, so he's going to give him a sign. He says, and behold, thou shalt be dumb. Not unintelligent, but unable to speak. Imagine that. Suddenly you've lost the ability. You're an old man. You know how to talk. But the Lord can take it away. You'll be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. The Lord's words are going to be fulfilled in his time. You can believe them. Okay, imagine he's in there, he's having this conversation. Obviously, it doesn't take too long to burn incense because the people are starting to be like, all right, where is he at? And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. All right, so it's taken a little while. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them. He made some kinds of signs and gestures because he can't talk and remain speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration was accomplished, he departed to his own house. Now notice he didn't ask for a doctor's note to be excused from the rest of his service. (laughs) I can't speak anymore. Can I go home early? (laughs) He continued the rest of his service, and then he went home. And after those days, so sometime after that, people get caught up, well, the course of by has to be right here. Well, then he has to conceive. It just says after those days in their due season. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Meg and I were talking the other day about doctors today that keep lowering the age for women of what's deemed high risk. Was it now 35? 35? Used to be 40? Imagine this woman. (laughs) I don't know how old she was. I know that she was old enough to where she could no longer have kids naturally. This is a miracle. And she's hid herself for five months because maybe she just didn't want to talk about it. (laughs) I'm ready to explain it. But she is conceived with her mute husband, by the way. He still can't talk. He's conceived and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me. In the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men, there was a there was a, a, a scorn, a stigma associated with not being able to bear children. It was a reproach. And so the Lord has taken away at a day that it wasn't looked for, though they'd been praying for it. Didn't even, you know, didn't believe it when word came. Now the angel came to the husband directly. No one came to Elizabeth. As far as she knows, it's only what 
he's been able to communicate to her. It's been writing her out or signs. All right? So fast forward another month. So we've gone from the temple, you know, sometime, period of time, she conceives. Fast forward five months. Now we're in one more month forward, the sixth month of Elizabeth's birth, uh, conception, since the conception. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God under the city of Galilee, named Nazareth. All right? Nazareth is north of Jerusalem. The region up there is called Galilee. The southern region is Judea. All right? He was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, the region named Nazareth. He was sent to a virgin, espoused or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her. Right, you've got another direct appearance of an angel coming into her. She's awake. This is not a, a night vision dream. The angel appeared unto her and said, Hail, highly favored, the Lord with thee. Blessed thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So her trouble was confused of what he was saying. Why was he calling her highly favored, the Lord with her, blessed among women? Now some people can take what the angel is going to say about Mary and bend it all out of whack and try to make it that you're so wonderful, you're so righteous, you're so pure, and some of you get into this we're praying to her and with her and all that other foolishness. This is the angel saying, the Lord has blessed you by choosing you. You are favored by being chosen to be his vessel. Okay? So she was troubled, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. Let's right, tell what's going to happen. Behold, thou shalt conceive... In thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall shalt call his name Jesus. Hebrew word for that is Joshua. It means God saves. Right. He shall be great. I love all the shalls and shouts in this. You shall conceive, shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus, shall be great. He shall be called the son of of the highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. It's a pretty wonderful announcement. These are glad tidings. Right. And Mary responds, how shall this be? seeing I know not a man. Meg and I were talking about this and looking at the difference between her response and Zacharias's response. Zacharias's response was, how will I know this? Show me a sign. Whereas it seems like Mary's concerned about the logistics. <laughs> how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She's never been with a man and so as a virgin. How would she conceive? But she's not testing him or asking for proof. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. You know, when the apostles were on the Mount of Transfiguration and the cloud came upon them, and they heard the voice of the Lord that third, uh, second time, that cloud overshadowed them. It's the same word. Overshadow thee. The power of the highest, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Got the Son of the Highest, the throne given to him of David. The power of the Highest will overshadow thee, and he'll be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's the answer to her question. How shall this be? For with God, 
nothing shall be impossible. Remember that when you start to pray. He's got sufficient power. Sometimes we limit ourselves to small prayers. Lord, heal us from this. Lord, help us from that. It's okay to pray big. He may not choose to answer it. That's his discretion. But he has the power. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now listen to Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She says, Look, I'm the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. That is humble submission. I'm the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Do we? Can we, do we, have we said that to the Lord in our life? Or have we continued to act like the Lord's our servant? Very humble response. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of, Judea, of Judah. All right, so she traveled south down to Judah to go visit her cousin, her much older cousin, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. She said something to say hello. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. That babe is John the Baptist. He leaped in her womb because he'd been filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice. All right, so here she's being used as a prophetess. Blessed thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb. And whence this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which shall be told her from the Lord. Zacharias didn't believe. The things were still going to be performed, but he had to be silent for some period of months. It was more than nine. Right? But she believed. There shall be a performance of those things which are told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord, or lifts up the Lord, or makes him large in my own eyes. Magnify the Lord. Praising him. Another way to describe it. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. In her humility, recognizing that she's of low estate, not of high consequence. For behold, and from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Who is the focus on all this? It's on God. She's recognizing that she's lowly, he's great. He's done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Okay. Now on one hand, she's recounting all the times in the Old Testament where he's done all those things. And on the other hand, these are all the things that he's about to do in perfection, in Christ, in her son. Whether she fully understood that or not, I don't know. But you can see the mirror about how he had shown mercy and had shown his strength and had brought the mighty humble and raised the lowly. Yeah, he'd done that. 
But he's about to do that perfectly. Okay. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. And so Mary's there in the hill country of Judea with her pious cousin and husband from the, from the time when the Lord uh, sent the angel to tell her she was going to have the child. Um, and so she's there for three months. And then she went home. It was time for Elizabeth to have the child. Elizabeth full-time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day, which was the under the law, they had to wait till the eighth day to circumcise the child, they came to circumcise the child, and they called his name Zacharias, after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John, which is what... The angel had directed her husband to name him. And they said unto her, There's none of thy kindred that's called by this name. So they're very similar to my family. We pick all the family names and just plug it in, plug it in. You got one already then? You just had a number? <laughs> There's none of thy kindred that's called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he should have him called. Zacharias, you know, let us know. And he asked her writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And so that was the last thing that the angel had told him was going to happen, is that have the son, and you'll name him John. Well, when he did that, the name was John, and the things were fulfilled, and he was able to speak again. And they marveled, and his mouth was opened immediately, his tongue was loosed, and he spake. And the first thing he did was praise God. He praised God. And fear came on all that round that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So this has been a very strange birth of John the Baptist, right? His mother's very old. His father had been mute for nearly a year. And then as soon as he's named, he's able to speak. This is odd. Right. So they didn't know exactly what's going to happen. They said, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zacharias, now his mother had been filled with the Holy Ghost when Mary came to visit. Now he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going to prophesy. He's filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, right? Now, uh, in the Old Testament, horns are often used to uh, symbolize power and authority of a king or a reign or a kingdom. So he's saying up, he's, reign, he's raised up a new power, a new king, right? And that, the horn of salvation, the deliverer for us of the house of his servant David, right? And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, this is God, which, which had been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. This is what's been told us, that we will be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his covenant. God has remembered, God of an oath or covenant, the name of the two parents. He has remembered his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Now, the Jews would say at this point, our enemies, our greatest enemy is the Roman Empire. They're under military occupation. But you and I both know our greatest enemy is sin, Satan, death, the power of darkness. To be delivered out of the power of darkness will be delivered by Jesus Christ, and we were. That we what? That we can just live any old way we want. But that we might serve him without fear. That's not an absence of fear of persecution, but fear without the fear of our enemies, without the fear of sin, without the fear of death. You have the privilege to serve the Lord without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, and thou, child, so you imagine him holding little John here, looking at him and says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. 
For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Never really understood that sentence. What's the day spring? That's kind of like the dawn, the sunrise. Jesus is the light of the world, right? He has come from heaven. And like a rising sun, he's come now into his world. He's visited us. This is much better than the little sunrise you see out here. This is the light. And that's who John the Baptist is going to be witnessing of, that he is the light. Right? He's come from on high and has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness, of which we all did. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus himself is peace. So that was his prophecy. And the child, John, grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. So we're going to leave John aside for a while, growing up over in the deserts right, until the day when he would come forth and start to preach and teach. All right, go with me to Matthew chapter 1 then. Are still with me? Everybody still awake? I will omit the uh, genealogies. Y'all can read those at your pleasure over the course of this week. So we're going to pick up in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When Annas' mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Okay? So in our timeline, we're jumping back to... Elizabeth has conceived, the angel has, been, has visited Mary and told her that she will conceive, and now we're past that point of where it's now known that she's expecting. She is still not married to Joseph. They have not come together, so they know it's not his child. She's been found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is obviously distressing to her husband, to her fiancé, future husband, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away privily. I mean, by the public example of under the law, with all the facts that they knew, she would have been counted as an adulteress and would have, could have been stoned to death if he had chose to go that route. But his solution that he was thinking on was to just put her away privately um, and not marry her. He's been troubled about these things. Obviously, it's distressing. He's been chewing on it. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Okay? He didn't have the direct visitation that Zacharias and Mary did, but in a dream, an angel came to him. And so some people will say, well, this is just a story Mary concocted to uh, justify herself. Those who don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Um, well, the Lord sent a angel in a dream to Joseph too. Right? So he was not just having to rely on Mary's word, but the Lord sent an angel unto Joseph saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So let him know that she is indeed a virgin. She has not uh, been unfaithful to you. You may take her as your wife. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Joshua, God saves. For the reason, he shall save his people from their sins. That verse, you got the whole gospel summed up in one verse. Y'all read verse 21 five or six times over the course of this week, and y'all chew on that. She shall bring forth a son really need that before, that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, God saves, for he shall save his people from their sins. All right? Now, when all this was done, 
that it might be spoken, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, prophet Isaiah. This is quoted in 714. We won't turn that down. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. Now just real briefly, if you go read chapter 7 of Isaiah, what's going on there is King Ahaz is in distress because, you know, remember the nation is split in two. The northern kingdom, Israel, has now teamed up with another country and they want to whoop up on Judah. Ahaz is the king of Judah. And so he's distressed by this. Um, they're scared. And so he's talking to the prophet Isaiah. And um, Isaiah basically tells him that, you know, ask the Lord for a sign. And he says, I don't want to tempt the Lord for a sign. And Isaiah responds back with this, that the Lord will give, a, give you a sign himself then. And the sign is, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. So they had an immediate fear of what they were going on, and he's given a sign for when all fear can go away. When you can serve him without fear. All right. Child shall be born of a virgin. They call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God is with us. God has come down into his creation, taken on flesh. Then Joseph, being raised from a dream, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not. So he went through the formal marriage ceremony. They're now husband and wife, but they did not come together as husband and wife. Um till after she delivered the child, however long that was after this point. And knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn, and he called his name Jesus. All right? Let's go back to Luke. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the words should be taxed. The word tax means to uh, to write, to enroll. So it could have been a census, it could have been a taxing, it could have been the census before you're taxing. But either way, you had to go to your hometown to get put down on the ledger um, to be enrolled. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Remember, David was from Bethlehem, right? Because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. All right, so she's pretty new, near to her due date. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. All right? So sometimes we kind of go quickly over this theme. I want you to slow down. I'm going to slow down, and I want you to think about it. If you're now there with your shepherds, it's dark. Right? There are no artificial lights. If you got a little campfire, you got starlight, maybe the moon, that's it. Right? It's dark, you're out there, you're got your ears kind of perked up so there's no wolves or anything coming to hurt your flock. It's dark. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. It's no longer dark. They have never seen an artificial light at night that's so bright to shine around them. This is distressing. The light in and of itself, even if there wasn't an angel attached to it, would be distressing. What is going on? So as an angel that appeared, his bright light shone right about, and they were so afraid, <coughs> marginally distressed, just a little bit uncomfortable. They're, they're, you know, this panic, right? So afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Now notice, again, this is another direct visitation of an angel. This isn't in a dream. They're awake. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news. Great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ 
the Lord. Now, later, the, Jesus would ask his uh, disciples, who do men say that I am? Right? And they'd go through the list and eventually say, but who do you say? He said, the Christ. He said, you're blessed because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but God. So here it is again. First time it's revealed, it's God doing the revealing that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And then gives them a sign. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. Now, I used to have the impression that swaddling clothes just, you know, meant they were so poor, they just got them wrapped up in rags. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Swaddling just means whatever they're wrapping the kid up in. All right? But the significant piece of that is not you're just looking for someone wrapped up in swaddling clothes. You're looking for them in an animal crib. You know, that's odd. All right? So here's your sign. You go find this child. He'll be laying in an animal feed trough. Okay? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. All right? Y'all got that mental picture yet? You had one angel. Glory was so bright, so afraid. And now they're... I don't know if they were all angels. Well, there are other heavenly creatures there, but it's a heavenly host. You should imagine that in your eye. This is how the Lord is, God is announcing that his son has come into this world and taken on human flesh. And he's announcing it to lowly shepherds. Remember old Pharaoh in Egypt, shepherds were despised. They were lower than low. You were to, to tell Pharaoh that you're, you know, herdmen, and they'll put you over somewhere else because you're kind of a social pariah. So what does that point to what role that Jesus would fill? That he was the shepherd, the great shepherd that came to save his people, to go after that which was lost, to carry them back in his bosom, to redeem them, and ultimately to lay down his life for them. So it's no surprise that the Lord would reveal to these shepherds first that the great shepherd had appeared. So you now got this heavenly host, the multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. I used to kind of be confused about, you know, peace. I mean, there's so much trial and turmoil that comes after this. What does it mean, peace on earth? It's Jesus. He's the peace. The peace is now on earth. He's here. He's the one that through his body he will make peace between you and your Lord. A perfect peace. He'll break down that wall of partition between the Jews and the non-Jews, and you will have an avenue of perfect peace directly to God the Father into his throne room. There is peace on earth, good will toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. All right, so that's kind of a little visual, right? They're gone away to them into heaven. Imagine sitting there looking up. You know what it is again? Dark. <laughs> Your night vision shot. And you're just kind of like, okay. The shepherds said to one another, Let us now go see unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. The Lord's taking the time to tell us about it. We need to go check it out. Around that country. And so they head to Bethlehem. And they came with haste. This was not a lollygagging affair. This is, well, well, we'll see about it next week. They came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph. And they found the babe lying in the manger, the corn crib, the feed. That's where they found him, just like the Lord said it. That was a sign. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they started telling folks. So we saw this vision, the angels, and they're, glory to God, and there's going to be a baby who's born. And there he was. Right? Folks probably looked at him like they were nuts. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. They're kind of astonished. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned. Guess back to the sheep. Check on them. Return. Glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They had the vision. They went with haste. They saw. And in all that, they're glorifying and praising God. For all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which is it was told, right? Which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So that would be the angel visit that came to Mary. Told him his name will be Jesus. Because by the time the angel visited Joseph in the dream, she had already conceived. But in both cases, the name was told it would be Jesus, and it was. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, now you have to go back and read your Leviticus if you haven't read that recently. When a woman gave birth to a child, there had a period that she had to separate herself. And if you had a boy, it was, uh, I think, 33 days. If you had a girl, you had to double it. It was like 66 days where you had to stay away. You're kind of in quarantine um, until you were purified. Right? They had the regular purification for every month, but this one was was longer. Right? Days of your purification were accomplished, so hang tight, 33 days. And then they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It was under the law that when firstborn of any was was born, you had to uh, take him. He was holy to the Lord. Right? That went all the way back to um, the deliverance out of Egypt. That when he spared all the Hebrew firstborns and he killed all the Egyptian ones, he declared, those are mine. The firstborns are holy and unto the Lord. And so instead of um, taking them, he would exchange them for the Levites. Right? And there's actually more people than there were Levites of the firstborns, and so he had to take some, some uh, collection up in exchange for the overlap. But either way, that points to the firstborn being holy, that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of Mary, and so they had to go fulfill that was under the law, which is to make the sacrifice, right? Which was to offer a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons, right? And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, a just man. A man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. So the Lord had blessed this man. Um, the Holy Ghost had been put upon him. He's been waiting for, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for... The Lord danced with prayers. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Right. So that was what the Holy Ghost told him. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah, until you see the anointed one of God. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. He didn't just happen chance along the temple. The Spirit led him into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, just to sacrifice the two birds, then took he him up in his arms. Imagine this old man. He's ready to die. He's old. He's been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And he's looking at him, and he blessed God. And he's saying, Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He was able to look on it with his natural eyes and hold this, see the child Jesus. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Right? Jesus was described as the light, the light of all men. He's got this early here before anyone would even conceive about how it will be revealed in Paul's ministry about there being a broader salvation than just natural Israel. But he was going to be a light unto the Gentiles as well. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The glory of thy people. He's naturally born in the Jewish nation. His people. His own people that would not receive him. They were going to reject him. And Joseph and his mother marveled. Can you imagine them just kind of standing there, jaw dropped. This guy's coming, taking your child. And he's like just saying this amazing prophecy about this child. He's like, oh, and Simeon blessed them, that's interesting, and blessed the parents, and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many shall be revealed. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess 
the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. All right, so you got another lady, Anna, who's, again, extremely old. She was married, however old she was, and she lived with him for seven years, and then she's going to, and he died, and then she's a widow for four score and four years. Four score is 80, 84 years. She's old. Right? <laughs> seven years of married life, 84 years of widowhood, and however long old she was when she got married. What was she doing? She departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Now, you ever get worried that you just can't be a real service to the Lord? I'm too old to be of service. I'm too young to be of service. I don't have the physical talents or material wealth or whatever it is. Insert all excuses here and flush them. She served the Lord night and day with fasting and prayers. That's not an exclusive thing. It means it's available to you and me too. Serve the fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that as in, coming in in that instant. All right. So Simon is blessed Mary. And she coming in in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Two different times. Lord, through the Holy Ghost, has allowed these people to recognize who they were seeing. And she spoke of him, not just then, but spake of them to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city in Nazareth. All right. We'll wrap up there for today, but in between 38 and 39 is most likely when um, the scene in Matthew chapter 2 will occur when the wise men come for a visit and we have the flight to Egypt. But thank you all for your time and attention. I hope this was edifying to you.